Welcome to Fangirl Happy Hour for September 15, 2015. This is Anna. I am the one with the strong Brazilian accent. You're welcome. We have quite the episodes prepared for you today. We start with epic fantasy as we discuss the fifth season by the incomparable N.K. Jemsin. Then we go all friendship to the bags as we take a look at the latest issue of Lumberjanes. Last but not least, we finally read the first volume of The Wicked Plus a Divine. With me to dig into all of these things is my fellow fangirl, Renee. Hi, Renee. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. It's weird starting like this, isn't it? A little bit after the last few episodes where we've just been doing like one topic. That's a little, it's a little strange to go back to our old format. But on the plus side, things we will will not mention have ended. So now everything can go back to normal. Yes. The summer of weekly episodes is over, people. Yes, it is. I know everybody's really disappointed and people were like, oh, there's no episode. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. We're going back to, we're going back to bi-weekly because we're both exhausted. Yes. And Jeez. I'm not, like, I'm exhausted and behind on everything else. I'm pretty sure the podcast is literally the only thing I kept up with. For which I'm very thankful. Well, it's because I, I don't want to disappoint you because you're scary. I am not scary. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you say that to my face right this in front of everybody? You're all, you're, you could be, you could be a little scary. Nobody wants to disappoint you, Anna. Nobody wants to disappoint you. That's not true. The world always disappoints me all the time. And well, this is why I want to set fire to it. The world, yes. But individuals, they're like, I can't let Anna down. She's super powerful. Oh, my God. Yes, I am. So, yes, you're right. You should not do that. So, have you been up to <laughs> Have you been up to anything cool? Nothing major. I'm getting ready to go to Iceland to the Reykjavik Literature Festival. So I'm really looking forward to that. Apparently, okay, right, there is going to be an Aurora Borealis. How amazing is that? I mean, that sounds pretty cool. Like, if you like that sort of sky magic. Don't you? It's not sky magic. It's actually science. I know. But it makes makes me laugh to describe it as as sky magic. Okay. No, it's like, I love it because it's science and it's beautiful. So, and apparently hotels there, they have this thing called Aurora wake up calls. If you sign up for it, they will wake you up if they show up in the sky. Isn't that cool? I would break a phone. I I would break a phone. (laughs) I don't. I will sign up for that. If I can get to sleep, if I can get to sleep, I don't want to wake up. I don't want I, to for any reason, like unless I'm waking up naturally. I am going to run outside in my PJs. I do not care. That's going to be awesome. Well, I hope and you other, have fun. And the other thing is, Book Smugglers Publishing is celebrating one year. Yay! Hooray! Woohoo! You're yes. a professional. I am a professional. And uh, I just wanted to let everybody know that we are actually open for submissions for short stories. And the theme, because we do kind of like a theme every season we pick a theme and you have to send short stories within that theme and the theme like how many times can i say theme really people anyway so for next year the theme is superheroes and you should probably follow submission guidelines oh yes there will be submission guidelines that i will include with the with the blog post that goes with the podcast 
so. You should not submit things that are not about superheroes because that would be a dick move. Yes, please don't submit things that are not superheroes. And when I say superheroes, like we are quite open. You know, it could be supervillains. We like subversion. So if you want to subvert that theme and look at superheroes at different ways or looking at maybe lack of superpowers as some, you know, you know, I'm not giving you any ideas, but those ideas are out there. I mean, don't submit a story about a magical cactus because that's not about a superhero. It's a magical cactus. But if it's a super cactus? Only if it's a super cactus. Like only if it can, if, only if it can move around. If it's just stuck in a desert. And it's a magical cactus, and nobody knows about it. That's not a, a superhero story. That's a terrible <laughs> example. I. This is why I don't write anything anymore. I think you have something there. Somebody should. Somebody should write a story about it. a super super cactus. A yes, super cactus. I wouldn't be interested in reading that. Or uh, a superhero with cactus powers. Oh my god! Can you? Ma- yes. With the prickly things that will prick you. And well, you- this has gone down. And if you cut the superhero and drink it, his blood. Oh my lord. <laughs> You what will give you, give you life forever. There you go. There's a story somewhere out there. Well, I haven't been up to anything except coming up with terrible sto- short story ideas. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I finally sent, after nine months, 11 months, a long time, I sent a comic script to my friend Rose, and we're going to work on a comic together. Which is amazing so yeah. far. Yeah, I love it. I showed it. you the character list in the first three pages. You've seen yes. it, but nobody else can see it. I think I've shown it to you, and I've shown it to Susan and to Rose. And otherwise, I've been pretty protective of it, because I'm really nervous about it. So just FYI to everybody out there, writing comics is hard. And I will never again like talk about a comic without talking about the writer and the artist. Because I used to like just talk about the writer. Never again. Never again. This is true, right? This is something that I need to keep to constantly keep checking myself because I am inclined to just talk about the writer and not mention the artist. No, you gotta mention like you need to mention no, no. the artist and no, maybe no. the colorist also. Because yeah. depending on the comic you're reading, they they might have a colorist too. Jesus, comics are just difficult. So that's what I've been up to. Panicking about comics. No, yeah, we all have our fingers crossed for you. We want this to work out. Yes. Well, let's hope it does. Yes. So, should we move on? Yes. Okay. Excellent. So, moving on to the first topic. The fifth season is N.K. Jameson's start to a new trilogy. It's a dark, epic fantasy about a world that continuously ends and where apocalypses are a dime a dozen. The story follows three alternating storylines in the lives of three women. And then the world ends. Again. What did you think about this one? I really liked this book. It's probably my favorite in case you've book yet. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult because I love every single one of her books, but... Yes. I know. Is there a book she's written that I haven't loved? I haven't read them all. I still have to read The Shadowed Sun. So I can't say definitively whether this is my favorite N.K. Jemison book, but it's in the running. I have one more book by her to read, and then I'll be out. Oh my God. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know. Wait, I still have, I think I still have a novella. There's a novella, yes. Actually, I need to read that one. The Awakened Kingdom, I guess. Yeah. So I'll have that, and then whatever short fiction she's read, and then but that'll be that'll be it. Like I'll be out of her. And Kate Jemison, I need you to write, write faster. faster. 
Yes. No, Beautiful. it's so mean. She's got a like, she's Let's got a job, come. and I yeah. need everybody to go buy her books, so she becomes a millionaire, so she can write full time. But what if she loves her job? Oh man! Oh, this is not good. <laughs> Okay, before we delve into the book itself, can I can I have like two seconds to go on a slight small rant? Uh, so, uh, uh, well, are we talking like a slight small rant or a slight small rant that will transform into a large size rant as you as you gain steam? I promise that it has nothing to do with the Hugo's. Okay, <laughs> like how you knew exactly what I meant. <laughs> No, it's like how many times have I seen her name being misspelled online? It drives me up the wall, people. It's Jemison, not Jemison. Everywhere. Everywhere. People talking about the Hugos, people talking about her books, people interviewing her using Jemison. Jemison. It's not Jemison. It's Jemison. How hard is it to keep her name right? End of friend. On my feed reader, I, every day there is someone misspelling her name. I have that, but I have it with and like E, because I see a lot of people put an E, and, uh, and, and, and that drives uh. me nuts. I'm like, guys, it's not that hard to spell a woman's name correctly. I have a lot of issues with names. This is not a subject you want me to start on. I, no, let's I, not do that. I have I have a lot of feelings about unnaming people and not getting their names right. And well, pronouncing yes. their names correctly. Hello, my name is Anna with an one N. Okay, this is apparently really hard for people to grasp. Okay. On the plus side, with me, if you spell Renee either way, it's correct because the name I the name I use online is misspelled on purpose. So, so uh, with me, it's okay if you misspell it because it's probably going to be spelled right, unless you spell it like R E N A E, which is just wrong. And why would you spell it like that? Everybody who's Renee's name is spelled like that is Nestle Me Hey Mail. Uh, oh well. <laughs> but anyway, getting back on track, the fifth season. I loved that book so much. Before that, my favorite of hers was The Shadowed Sun, and now I think this one has has gone to the top of my. Jemisin's Love Shelf. I think one of the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about this book is, for me, the narrative and the narrative mode and the fact that there is one part of the narrative that is a second person. And I love that. I love what she does with her narrators. And I love this book gave me the same kick that uh, The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms gave me. Uh, I am a sucker for unreliable narrators. And this new book kind of ha like has that. A little bit, yeah. To start with, you think, are we going to spoil this for everybody? Are we going to give spoiler warnings? Because we're going to spoil, right? Let's try not to spoil it immediately. Let's talk about it a little bit and then dive into spoilers. Oh, God. Okay, right. So Be vague, Anna. I believe in you. Okay, so, yeah, so the, the narrative. So the, the question of who are the three women and how each of their storylines feed off each other. And with the second person narration, you don't really know exactly what's happening there and why. And that just kept me going so engaging. 
on top of the actual story being told. And boy, was this book tough to read. It was pretty grim. In terms of the, the emotional distress of getting through this story. Yeah. Because it opens with the mother holding the body of her dead son. The whole thing is about the society that oppresses a large part of its citizens. Well, they're not even citizens. So it's really difficult to read. I agree. I was actually surprised the way it opens. It's not really a spoiler to say that it opens with a son holding her baby who's been who's dead and how that affects the rest of the story and what how we learn about her past but i was just really i don't really like to read stuff where you know kids die I'm yeah not, i'm not really into that and oh so how about those nodes oh wow well okay <laughs> everybody <laughs> We love the fifth season and you should read it. However, if you don't want to be spoiled, now would be the time to fast forward to the next segment. I'm sorry. Because Anna just broke my heart reminding me about this. God, how horrible was that, Renee? It was really horrible. I was not... Not only was it, like, forced, whatever the hell, it was like there was child abuse and pedophilia and... I was just like, holy shit. Oh, all, all the axes of oppression rolled in into one. And then all types of abuse roll into one with, with the child at the center of it. Yeah. It was it hard. Was this book was hard. Book. And it that's what it really surprised me that I liked it so much, given that the book itself is just so fucking grim. I wouldn't, I don't think I would call this grim dark. I don't think it's the same no because it doesn't revel but i would say like this is like dark fan like this is like dark fantasy it's it's dark fantasy but it's the dark fantasy of liberation because it shows the oppression and shows the darkness of the world but with a clear with a clear path that the characters are following to end that at least that's how i read it yes i agree it's like it's not it's not grim dark in the way that grim dark is just darkness for darkness sake because you know it's so edgy to have people being shitty and doing shitty things because that's how the world is so this book is actually the opposite of it it's just showing that you know this is not how the world should be this is alienating this is aggressive this is terrible and should, this should not be happening this is wrong absolutely wrong morally ethically every all types of wrong and you have two characters i think they are kind of like finding out how wrong this is and going at it at different ways at different times to kind of like stop that so the way the narrative works is that there's different scenes we follow a son who has all her sections are in second person we also follow demaya and how do you say the other the other name Ooh. sin sin sinite i can't pronounce it i'm sure it's a word that i've just sien let's go with the shortened version so you follow these three perspectives throughout the book 
And so you follow them throughout the book, and at the very like the, toward the end, you figure out that the other two are a son when she's younger. And I thought that the second person in this case was really it just kept revving itself up. So when you finally figure out that this whole book has been her and her past selves, where she's renamed herself and reinvented herself to survive, the second person just becomes that much more heartbreaking because it yeah. makes me think of somebody who's just deep. They've been through so much and seen so much horrible things. They've depersonalized and separated themselves from themselves to be able to cope. And when you look at the second person throughout the book in that light, it becomes horrible because you're like, holy shit. Because it's not just second person for the sake of second person. It's second person to show you how broken this woman has been. Yeah. Because not only, as we come to find out, did she lose one son, she, this is not the first son she's lost. No. A child or to the society family. Yeah, yeah that's just so fucked up about people who can manipulate seismic activity yes which is really interesting because in a way these people are so powerful right mm -hmm. they literally hold the power of the earth in their hands and yet they are so oppressed that they don't even they have internalized that subjugation to the point where they cannot see that they could easily overturn. The part where I realized what was like, what was really going on, like who, who held the real power here yeah. was when Shafa was taking Damaya to the fulcrum and he broke her hand oh to, my God. to make a point. And I was just Ugh. like, oh my God, these guardians are fucked up. Oh my god, right? I had to stop reading. Like, I had to put the book down and go away because I was so upset. Because I have goosebumps right now just to think of it. If you've ever been a child around somebody more powerful than you who wants you to do what they want, and that kind of physical control is really, like, it was actively triggery for me. Thanks a lot. Because thanks a lot passed for leaving me with adults who would actually use that on me so the fact that that happened and it was just so unexpected because he'd been so kind up to that point i was just like oh i'm getting triggered i gotta stop and i stopped for like half a day i mean i read this book in two days so it wasn't that long but i would have finished the book a lot sooner if i hadn't had to stop because of that specific scene and there were a lot of scenes like that in this book that's not even the worst one it was just my no. personally for me it was bad because it was bringing up lots of terrible, terrible associations. This book is so fucking dark. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. And it really makes me surprised that I like it so much, given how much abuse that a son goes through as a child, as a young adult, as an older woman. It's just like, how much abuse can one person take? And it's interesting that it has not stripped her of agency or of a sense of of a strong sense of self she has developed that despite of the circumstances that she lives in and that was part of what i loved so much about her so on the other on the other side you have alabaster 
who is the most powerful orogeny. And what did you think of his story, Renee? I was both interested, but I was also kind of disappointed because he's a queer character and so much of his story is about being forced into relationships he doesn't want, forced into work he doesn't want because of his power. It's suggested that his previous relationships ended in tragedy, his previous queer relationships ended in tragedy. Um, we get to the end, like the end of his story, like before we get to the main reveal at the end of the book, we see him not only fail to save his family, but I guess his, his other, his other partner, his male partner is killed in front of Asun. And in fact, Asun kills their son to prevent him from getting taken by the guardians and become a slave. Yeah. Become like, like a node, a node maintainer or whatever. And he is apparently kidnapped by a stone eater, which were interesting characters, which we should talk about. I don't really get Oh, them. yes. No. And so Foz wrote a good essay about this that's full of spoilers for the book that I think gets to the heart of the fact that, again, we have another book that's taking specifically queer tragedy where there's not really a happy ending. And I see her point, really. I don't think this is as egregious as other instances I've seen before, because I don't, this, I don't think that queer characters should never have to suffer and never should should never have to go through anything hard. I don't think that's where I'm going with this. I think m I'm more concerned where it's really super specific to the queer identity, like the fact that when queer relationships in this book come up, they tend to end terribly is a problem but then you also get the fact that alabaster and asun lived on this island with these pirates with anon their their male partner and they were happy they were super happy and so it's possible for queer characters to be happy in this world you also have another trans character who obviously went through some like got disowned and went had to like go away from her family and be divorced from them She's not living, like, a wonderful life, but she's living a life that she chooses. Yes, absolutely. And she's not... I mean, I don't... I wouldn't say she was unhappy, because she's doing... Like, she's learning things. So, I mean, it's complicated, right? I just think that this is the problem of scarcity, right? We're seeing this problem of scarcity with queer characters. Because there's so few mainstream science fiction and fantasy books that have queer characters in them that don't suffer and go through horrible times... When we get queer characters in books like this, it just becomes really obvious that we don't have these other books where they're, you know, they come out on top and they they get to live happily ever after. Yeah. And I don't think that's specifically... That, that would problem. allow for this one. Yeah. Uh, so this be, is not... I don't think this yeah. is... I don't think this is N.K. Jimson's fault specifically for writing it this way. I think that it's m more the problem with the fact that she's, like... She's one of very few mainstream authors willing to write queer characters. So how do we have, we have to like choose? Would we rather have them there dying and suffering in this world where everybody dies and everybody suffers, even people who are straight or yeah, absolutely. Uh, fall somewhere else on the, the spectrum of their sexuality? Or would we just not have them there at all? And I think I would, even if they have to suffer, I think I would prefer to have them here. It's, yeah. what, where it becomes a problem is where you only have like like one right and they die horribly tragically yeah. because 
of their because of their queerness. In this book, Anon didn't he didn't he didn't die because he was queer. He died because the Guardians came and attacked the island, and he was murdered. because yeah. he was murdered using his own power against him. Yes, and Alabaster didn't get kidnapped to take a bus to He didn't get like taken and abused by the by the the government because he was queer. He got taken because of his powers. Yes. So this is why I came out of this book not as upset about it. I mean, obviously it's just discour- it's, it's a discour- it's a discouraging thing, and it's going to keep being discouraging until we address the problem of scarcity in science fiction and fantasy with queer characters. And in fact, until we address the problem of scarcity with anybody who's not, you know, not white. This is going to keep coming up with any sort of diversity on any axis. You have to address the problem of scarcity first. I just want to challenge like every single suspicion of fantasy author. Hey, guys, in every book you write, make someone queer. Yeah. Every book you write for the next three years, make someone queer. Good job. I, I believe in you. You can do it. And, I mean, that's how we're going to make books like this not so fraught for people who are queer, like me. And obviously, like Foz, and we'll link her entry in our show notes but just a warning it's really emotional and it spoils everything just like yeah. we're doing right now <laughs> in a much more explicit way and yes. she digs into some of the, more of the um societal the way that society deals with queerness too i think so i uh, yeah i came out i came out of this really really feeling sorry for alabaster because he was like essence says i thought you know I thought, I thought he was crazy but he's not crazy he's mad yeah, yeah. I mean, she didn't say he was mad. I just, that's the feeling I got. He was never, he's never been crazy. He's, he's just been angry. And when you get that angry, it can look to people who are outside that anger as just completely being completely nuts. Yeah. The thing that broke my heart is that for the vast majority, because there is this long road trip that he takes with her, right? And throughout the whole thing, he seems like, not be paying attention to anything and and yet it is revealed that for the entire duration he had been keeping the earth you know doing things to to the earth and to the underground to help the node maintenance to help them not have to use their power so that they could rest and just that kind of responsibility that he took upon himself is just so fucking heartbreaking and I think he was one of my favorite characters as well in the book because of that. And which is what then we should talk about the ending and what happened to him. And like, is he being eaten? Is he being groomed by the stone eaters to become stone so that he, they can eat him? I is have that, no clue what's happening that's there. How I, that's how I read. Is he slowly being cannibalized? No, I read it more like he's turning into stone because yeah, of the way I... he's using his powers. I don't think they're, I don't think they're doing it. I think he's just so powerful that, his, uh, that he's do changing. Maybe, do you think maybe the stone eaters are previous orogenies? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. They, uh-huh. we don't really, we don't really get a lot of what they are and where they come from and what their motivations are explained to us. We know there's the fulcrum um, we know their politics, the Guardians. We don't know a lot about the Guardians, except they're assholes. <laughs> then the Stone Eaters. So we have these three factions, and we don't really know. We know the Guardians want to maintain the status quo and keep anybody who knows how to do orogeny 
um, subjugated. But we don't really know what the Stone Eaters are, where they come from. We don't really know what their motivations are. We don't really know what they want. They're, one of them is working with Alabaster, and they seem to like adopt an Orogenine, and they get really protective over it. Yeah, so this is what I'm thinking. Maybe maybe they were Orogenines before. So I'm really curious. That's, that's what happened with Ten-Fingered, with Ten-Ringed Orogenines. They become Stone Eaters. Or maybe Stone Eaters are aliens. <sighs> I don't knows? know. Like We're going to have to wait for the second book, which doesn't come out for another year. She's, I think she just handed it in. I think that's what yeah. she said. So, so the next one is called the Ob- Obelisk Gate, right? Mm-hmm. So what the hell does that mean? And I want somebody to explain the obelisks. That would be nice. Oh, yes. Well, that would be super nice. <laughs> I want to know what the hell those are. Like where they come from. Flying obelisks that do things. So you had a theory that you told me I about. Did. The very yeah. beginning, a son's son is killed. And throughout the whole book, she pins it on her husband. Like, the the bigotry toward people who know Arajani. He's really young and he can't control it. So she thinks that Gia beat their son to death, took their daughter, and left town. And she spends the novel chasing him down because she wants to, you know, she wants to get her daughter back, the son, and she wants to kill kill him for killing their son. So your theory, was... my theory is that actually the daughter killed the son, and the father took her away to protect her. And I actually like this theory a whole lot because. Some other some other point in the book, I think when Chafee comes to get Demaya, he tells her most people discover you're lucky because most people discover their powers by killing a family member that they love. Yeah. And so when uh, when you told me your theory, I'm like that is super plausible, and that would be just be a really like it would just be a really interesting twist, I think. And because I also don't want her husband to be a murderous son of a bitch. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> she's had she's had really bad luck with guys, man really bad luck with love so i really hope that her husband is actually a good guy who's trying to protect her daughter yeah that would be nice yeah maybe he because he doesn't know that she is and thought and and so assumed that so he think that she would kill her yeah so she's just assuming that her secret's out and he knows yeah and that's and that's so that's why he took the daughter away but i mean that's why i really like your theory because it 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 makes you like it's a little it, bit better. <laughs> it makes things a little bit better, number one. And number two, it kind of shows where Asuna is at as far as, like, fury over the way the world works. Yeah. And, like, how easily it is, how easily she believes that somebody the, she loved could do that. Yeah. I mean, and also because... The you, worst of people, right? Yeah. And also because you also have the fact that she killed her own... her her other son to keep him out of the hands of the guardians. Yeah. And so you have this, these really interesting intersections about protecting children, hurting children, what makes yeah. it right? What makes it wrong? And I just, I'm just really interested to see where she goes with it. I really, I just really like your theory. Uh, Cause I'm it makes so it more complicated. Yeah. I really like my theory as well. So can't wait to read it. And then probably she would just like torture us. Yeah, I mean, second book, second book, and then we will have to wait for a third book. (laughs) So you know the theory is that you know the second book always makes things worse. So (laughs) you know how to prepare ourselves psychologically, mentally, everything. Well, it's a year away, so we have time to prepare. (laughs) 
that makes yeah. me really sad to say a year away. Why do I read series, Anna? What do we do? It's terrible. I don't know. I don't know. I don't usually do that. I'm lying. I do that all the you time. You do it all the time. <laughs> you don't do it with like the books that you should be reading. Yeah. It's because you know that you're going to be tortured. Because <laughs> you're like, I know this author. They're really good. I refuse. Yes. We're just we're just weak. We're weak to NK Jemison. So everybody go yeah. read this book unless you already have. And if you have, yeah. good. Come cry with us about it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. The fifth season is out now and should be available everywhere anyway. Hopefully you can find it at your library or bookstore, book retailer of choice. Um, have you read the book? What did you think of it? Share all your feels with us, please. Lumberjanes number 17 is the most recent issue in the award-winning comic series by Noelle Stevenson, Grace Ellis, and Brooke A. Allen. We wanted to discuss uh, the most recent issue on its own for a few reasons. Because of something that happens within the story, because it's the last issue that Noelle Stevenson will write, but mostly because we just love this series so much, right? Yes. Yes. And how bittersweet was this one? I'm really sad to see... Noel Stevenson go. I'm really sad about it. This whole art yeah. ending, I'm really sad. To, I mean, I know she's off to do other great things at other places, but I'm super, super sad to see her to see her leave. But wow, what a note to go out on. Right? Really so, good. So if you haven't been following, uh, Lumberjanes is about a group of girls who are at summer camp and uh, they get entangled in supernatural shenanigans at camp and the the focus of the story is the friendship because between the girls and there are five of them and is it five they're five right it's, yeah it's five girls and then their camp and then, counselor and then the, yes and jen who is their kind of like camp leader kind of thing and uh, and the story so far has had i think two major arcs the first one deals with the bear woman and like greek gods and <laughs> randomly appearing there and the second one deals it's much more closer to home because of kind of like it follows the camp leaders own past and her relationship with someone else that used to be at camp and then disappeared into the forest and they, they find her and there is this creature that they must fight and he has a heart that is missing a stone and there are unicorns and babies and oh. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, uh, <laughs> this comic's real fun it's really it's really a fun comic yes and it's adorable in many ways um, I love all the characters and their relationship and their friendship and the way that they support each other. And in this last, the latest issue, it has been revealed, although I don't like to use that word because, of, because it kind of implies that it was hidden or it was a surprise or it was a twist and it wasn't like that at all. It became known that one of the girls is a trans girl. That's Joe. Uh, so what do you think of that and how it was done i really liked it because it after she has the conversation with the the boy from the other the the boys camp and about uh, belonging and, and identity it makes other things that happen in the comic before this more like 
sense. Yeah, right? and it yeah. really like it, it got really kind of deep like into every, previous issues. Everything fell into place. There was a there was I think there was an issue where Joe and April were working on like a scrapbook or whatever, and there's a picture. Yes, of, there's a picture. Yes, and so a picture I went, of them I went and, back. It's issue number 12. It's I went issue, back issue number to 12. That's, and I remember, as soon as like she started having this conversation, I thought back to that picture. I'm like, oh, wow. Exactly. And I was, just, I was just really blown away by the fact that they put that there. It's, I mean, it's not super explicit, but... No, it's very subtle. It's really well done. The way that the conversation goes as well, it's kind of like really sharing. And it's like, it's a, it's a, communion because obviously Barney's going through something that he doesn't know uh, and he's a boy scout and uh, and Joe is like I just knew that there was never a place for me at the boy scout and I would never be able to be that person there and this is why I am a lumberjane and that was like to me my head went oh wow this is so well done this is so amazing and especially if you consider the repercussions because you know this is this is a comic series that is a bestseller apparently are selling about 60,000 copies of each one of those and it's award-winning and you have like a plethora of girls and you have queer girls and you have girls of color and Joe herself is a trans girl of color who loves tech and she has two dads as well mm-hmm. who actually appear in the comic as a really great loving couple and it's just I find that so this is amazing this could be life-saving this is this is a book for girls or for kids for young kids reading this and this could be potentially life-saving for people comic for boys on, too on top of being really fun i would i would give this to, i would give this to young boys too. To boys of course yes exactly yeah. and another thing i really like about this comic is how they handle conflict and how they show a non-violent ways of handling disagreements obviously there's violence in this comic but the way they show most of the things resolving don't have to do with violence at all it's about it's talking, it's about listening, it's about communicating and empathizing with your anta- the people who are antagonizing you. That's and true. This is a good example because we see the monster defeated not through, you know, violence, but instead but by giving their hearts back. But but, but you know, back. by maybe a little cliche they give this a little they give the they give the heart jewel back to the monster. Yes. And but that's kinda like empathizing like i something was taken from you and now and i understand it and here i want i want to give it back and i want you to be happy and it's you also see it in joe's relationship with barney where she's an antagonistic like really mean to him yeah and at the end they work it out and they talk through it and they apologize to each other and this comic is so good at non-violent resolution and teaching people it's but people not not just kids but anybody who's reading it because adults have problems with this crap too about how to resolve their problems without resorting to like aggression and meanness and i just really i just really love this comic so much it's so, so good and, I, and if you remember the end of the first arc as well and ripley becomes the most powerful being 
mm-hmm. in the universe. And then what does she do? She just gives everybody kittens. I know, Barney, isn't he carrying around the kitten that, she, that Ripley gave him? Like, this whole issue? I'm pretty sure he is. Oh, he's, a, he's so adorable as well. Even the boys are so adorable. I just really... And I really like the backstory with Abby. I know. And there's so many complicated female relationships in this in this comic you and not even interpersonal ones but with women struggling with confidence issues with uh with their own like their own failures their their own insecurities there's some things like with joe especially you see it like there's a moment in a previous comic where the bear woman go talks to joe and she's like, oh, she was talking about, like, disguise doesn't work on me. Do you know what I mean? And Joe gets, like, yeah. really, like, gets really frowny about it. And there's, a, there's another moment really early in the comic where Joe's by herself and all the girls, like, become, like, monstrous. And so much of these scenes can be read as just Joe's own anxieties about her identity. They don't have yes. anything to do with, like, the plot. They're just her try her feeling sometimes out of place and her dealing her her dealing with her place in the group as well yeah that's true that's that's really interesting actually that's a really interesting reading and i am just so happy about this comic i never wanted to end i know it's gonna have to end one day but i just don't want to end anytime soon i know and it's so beautifully drawn as well the art is good the writing is good it's just yeah the next issue doesn't come out until october the end of october and i was like i'm so i need i need more of this this is why reading issue to issue is really hard because yeah when you really love something you just you just want to read all of it immediately but you have to wait everything yes and i'm really curious to see where the new like um shannon waters is not leaving the comic she's going to continue writing it so I'm really curious to see what the next arc is going to be because this this closed up the current arc. Yeah, I'm just really curious to see what we're gonna where we're gonna well, go next. I, well, at the end at the end of this issue, we learned that kind of time operates in a different kind of way between the outside and camp. Remember, because yeah. Joe got a call from her parent from 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 her dad, and they said that you know it's been only a few days, and for them it has been almost the entire summer already. Yeah. So there's obviously something there. So maybe they, 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 maybe that's where it's going. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is you know that the comics has been optioned to become a movie, mm-hmm. and. You know, one of the best things about it is that it's written and created by women. And somehow they're already fucking it up by getting a guy to write the movie. Apparently, okay, they, took, apparently they took submissions and peop- I guess women enough women didn't submit pitches. I don't really understand how that works. No, that's bullshit. I call shenanigans on that. Anyway, so I am really curious now with Joe and the revelation, will they get a trans girl to play this character? Because you know, you know how Hollywood loves to fuck that up, right? I... Have you been following the whole thing about Eddie? What? Yeah, I mean, I've heard of it. I've heard they oh, can they God. they continue to give trans roles to cisgender white men. Yeah, um, good job, guys. 
and it's a problem. It's a problem everywhere. And so, like this is not the first time it happened with um, Jared Leto. Jared Leto, yeah. So this is not the movie, first yeah. instance. It's not going to be the last instance. It's going to keep happening. I just really, I'm. I mean, I'm excited about the adaptation, but I'm also just really dubious because it's a lot yeah. of action, and I just, I think I just would have preferred it to be like animated. Yeah. Right. And I just really not because this is. How are they gonna like the heart of this comic is in its diversity, is that's what like that's what anchors the ends of the arcs, and I'm just really confused about how they're gonna do this in this in the current Hollywood environment. I just really don't get it. I'm really nervous about it. I mean, I'm I'm sort of excited, but then I'm also like dubious. Yeah, which you know, understandable. How are they gonna write that? We don't know. How are, are they going to cast it correctly? Probably not. Or is it who's like? Are there going to is there going to be any sort of female influence on this at all? Yeah. Well, they're trying, I think, to get at least a female director. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. No, it's not. I really don't need a, like a male gaze live action lumberjanes. No, I really don't need no, that. No, 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 no. It will probably, you know. If that happens, it will probably end up being everything about the Boy Scouts camp. Ugh. Ugh. And and the girls all being in love with the boys. Ugh. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up for, to make me depressed. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, it's like we have to keep with the rest of the, of the episode. You know, we've been talking about depressive things, so, you know, why? I had to bring it back down, Anna. Good job. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Go me. Lumberjanes issue 17 came out on August 26th and is probably still findable at comic stores. Definitely as digital copies. If you read it, what did you think? Let us know. Oh, Wicked Divine. Here we go. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. With that, as an introduction, The Wicked Plus of Divine is the new comics by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, the team behind the successful 2013 run of Young Avengers. The series has the following premise. Every 90 years, 12 gods incarnate as teenagers. They are loved, they are hated, in two years, they are dead. We will be talking about the first volume, entitled The First Act, that collects issues one to five. So, Renee, you kind of already started it. Did you not like? No, I really like this comic, but holy shit. <laughs> There's a lot of exploding heads. I feel like I could have somebody could have warned me how many exploding heads there were in this comic because I did not expect that. Somebody should be like, Hi Renee, this has a lot of exploding heads. You'll like it anyway. I would have been okay with that. Like that spoiler would have been okay. Nobody mentioned the exploding heads. I'm sorry. I feel like I should have told you now. Okay, okay. And... That's apparently a thing. If there's exploding heads in something, please spoil me because it's okay. exploding heads. All right. Okay. So, what do you have against exploding heads? I, it was just jarring. I just and it's so graphic. <laughs> I just want to go to who's the artist, Jamie McKelvey. I just want to go to him and be like, "Do you have a thing about like lovingly detailing the exploding heads?" Yes, to really yes, enjoy yes, this. Absolutely, yes, Renee. He does have a thing. So, did you read the second volume? I have not read the second volume yet. I'm. I was scarred okay, by so, the end of the first one because. Right. Um, so, warning. 
Yeah, we're gonna spoil this whole comic. You really no, just need to go read it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. You, I'm gonna give you a warning that exploding head ahead. Oh my <laughs> Good work. Good work. Good work, Anna. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm just doing like what you asked for. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I'm pretty sure libraries will carry this. This is an image comic. Yes. And so I'm pretty sure most libraries will have this. It's I bought mine at I ordered mine from Barnes and Noble. So okay. they're available. Everybody should read it. It's really the just for the art, actually. I would just it's say read so it for the art. Beautiful, it's so right? pretty. Even, and- the covers of each issue that depicts each of the gods, they are really cool. Even as well. the head exploding viscera is pretty. Yes. Absolutely. There's like eyeballs and they're really lovingly drawn and colored. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you like yourself some exploding heads drawn really well, this is the comic for you. Exactly. Or also, if you like teenagers that become gods, teenagers and- with magical powers. And they know they will die. And also pop stars, right? Yeah. So one of the huge things about it is, is that they become pop stars. It is where their power is. At least this incarnation of 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 the gods. Um, so what did you think of the premise itself? It's really interesting. So they become pop stars and that's how they're worshipped, right? That's yep. where they get some of their power from. And it's interesting because, like, we don't know to start with. Uh, there are there are always twelve gods, and to start with, we only know eleven. So there is the the viewpoint character is a girl called Laura. Laura, and uh, she's obviously really into this whole thing. Like 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 any stupid teenager, she's really into pop stars, and she kind of like wants to become one of those gods and die young. Oh my god, teenagers. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> like what are you think? You know, when I was 15, I kind of really wanted to be a vampire. So I used to read the Anne Rice books and call out to the vampire Lestat to come and take me. Hey, Laura wants to become one of those. And we are not quite sure until the end whether she is one of them or not. Uh, and then she befriends Lucifer, who is obviously, you know, good old devil. And in this comic, Lucifer is a girl. It's not really maybe, clear, is no, it? No, it's kind of like gender fluid, kind of. Um, Lucifer is called Lucy for the vast majority of um, the comic. And being the kind of personality that lucifer tends to be you know kind of like grandiose mess maker she he they kind of like want to cause problems and that comes back to bite them in the ass so this is basically the the arc in this first one right and it's really interesting because we don't know who the last member of the gods are. And it's also cool because it's it's a it's a pantheon that draws inspiration from all sorts of mythologies. So you have the I think it's Irish Morrigan, and you have uh Inanna, which is like a Mesopotamian goddess. And and it's really it's and the way that they are represented as well, they are often, you know, 
gender fluid, non-specific, bisexual, and lots of people of color as well. It's, it's a really cool comic in that aspect too. So the plot of the comic, it's basically Lucifer explodes some heads, gets arrested, ends up in court, and it's like goading the judge. And then she, because the way that they explode heads is they snap their fingers and the heads explode. So she's going to the judge and she's going to, she's going to snap her fingers. And what we think is supposed to happen is nothing, right? Except then the judge's head explodes and Lucifer gets dragged off to jail. And I'm still curious because I don't really think it was resolved. Who did that? Like who killed the judge? Was it Lucifer? Was it another one of the, like another one of the gods? Was it the mystery god? That's a recurring mystery throughout the next issues as well. And so, because it's really easy to think, oh yeah, Lucifer did it, being, you know, tricky. Exactly. Except, like at the end of the comic, which is super hella spoiler, their guardian... But the collector, she's unknown because she's the oldest one. She's the one that always remains the same. Mm-hmm. And she's the one that collects and finds yeah. all the gods in their new incarnations. And she is waiting outside Laura's house, I guess, when Lucifer exits. And she snaps her fingers and Lucifer's head explodes. <laughs> yep. And Laura, yep. it like, loses it. And Laura's storyline was really interesting. She seems really disconnected from her life. She fights with her parents. Yeah. And we don't really know what they're fighting about because she disconnects from it. And she we don't see the dialogue of the fights or the disagreements. She's not doing well in school. And she's really into all these gods. Like, <laughs> she made me laugh. There was one scene where... One of the gods is like, oh, you've seen me do my thing. And she's she's like, I love you, I love you, I love you. And she's like, eh, it's okay. And she's like, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, Laura, you're such a teenager. Such, right? Such oh, a teenager. So I think great. she has, I think she has teen anyway, I think. And uh, really wants to be a part of this because it sounds so cool, right? It's awesome over-the-top, grandiose, um, larger-than-life, powerful people, teenagers like her, who become these overnight sensations, super powerful. And uh, it doesn't, doesn't matter that they will die within two years, or even less than that now, because... It just appeals so much to her. That's not explained. Why two years? Oh, that's, I think that's just random. Why two years, guys? I'm curious. Why? They probably, they probably burned themselves. But why? With their life. I mean, just because you're, the, the tagline is like, just because you're immortal doesn't mean you live forever. But why two years? Why do, why do they reincarnate so often? Quickly. Like... It's not so often. It's every ninety years. Well, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. Like, why do they? Why do they only get? Why every? Why two years every ninety years? I wonder if they're gonna delve into that later. Later, the comics. I'm really curious about that fact. Is it like too much power? Is it? 
maybe it is too much power. Maybe the world cannot cope with gods walking around all the time. But they need the, but they need the gods. They need the gods as a source of inspiration, creativity. Uh, and I guess the gods as well should be given a chance to live again. So I'm really, I'm really interested in all the little storylines I have going on. Obviously, at the end, Lara is trying to recover from Lucifer's death, and she snaps her fingers, and obviously the cigarette that she's holding lights up. And I'm like, oh, okay, so that's going somewhere. So I don't know where it's going, but I'm really interested to find out. Yeah. This comic was just really, like, it's really, like, the dialogue is really well done, and the way it works with the art... The expressions on these characters' faces are so intricate and yeah. subtle. I would, I would, I found myself just like examining panels that had no dialogue. Just it was just the characters standing there, sitting there, looking a certain way, just to like examine their expressions because it was so intense. Some of these panels, the way that the character was acting. Yeah, and um, from sorry, no, I'm just coming. I'm coming to really appreciate the way art works in telling these stories now because I'm really new to comics. I haven't been reading comics for very long, and it's taken me a while to like really like grok the art, the way the art's working. I mean, I just went through this with the fourth volume of Hawkeye. The art's really affecting, even though I wasn't really connecting with the story, like the character specifically. I was connecting with the art itself, which is a really interesting experience. But here. Like the the art the the art um, really works to to deepen your experience of these characters because you don't really get to know them for very long like it, because it's such a huge cast yeah the, the 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 moments you get with them have to be really affecting and I think the art is really what helps that work yeah and it's interesting because I have read I'm up to date with the comic I'm not. Uh, without spoiling it's it's really interesting because the next issues they kind of like each take the gods point of view each of the gods and it really delves into their perspectives as well it is really good it's really i i mean like i was talking to my comic guy about reading this comic and i told him that i'd been hearing a lot about the end of the second volume whatever issue that was and that's why I decided to pick it up in the end. It was because everybody was, like, freaking out about whatever happened Freaking out! Like, cap, like full-on caps lock screeching about the... I'm sorry, and so I'm like, I gotta I, know what's happening in this holy comic. Holy shit, what the fuck did just happen? Don't out. tell me! I don't, like, I have I, managed to avoid the spoilers for what... I am not gonna it, tell you. I'm not gonna tell I, you. I've managed to avoid the spoilers for this yeah. for weeks, so... I'm gonna like I have it here, so I'm gonna read it soon. Oh, please do, do! <laughs> I await with anxious delight for your. Oh my God! Holy shit! What the fuck did just happen? Yeah, yeah, on Twitter where I have a meltdown. Yes, yes, exactly. One of the things that I like the most it's what I like, what I tend to like when I'm reading about mythologies and gods is when gods bicker when gods behave like children okay because that makes so much sense right because you are eternal you live forever what the fuck will you do you just like you become a petulant child because really there is nothing else for you to do 
So this is what happened with these gods in this series as well. Well, at least some of them. Especially, I think, Odin. Is it Odin? Well, Woden. It's one of the Norse ones. He, he walks around with the Valkyries. It's just, it's disgusting. And he's, it's awful. On the other hand, you have a couple of other ones that are really cool. It's unpredictable what they are going to do. Because, of course, with so much power, so little time, it's bound for things to go wrong. Am I right? Yeah, yeah the, there, there's a, the first scene of the comic is Aniki, is that her name? Yeah, or Anank. This is why, this is how I refer to her inside my head, Anank. I always get names I have wrong no when idea. I have to read them. I have to hear them pronounced, I fail. I, I, uh, I, tend, I tend to make them sound in Portuguese. Of course. Yes, so. <laughs> Language is so hard. At the very beginning of the comic, there's a meeting and there's a table, and there's a bunch of skulls <laughs> littered around the table, and there's only four gods remaining. And they're asked, is there any more gospel? And then they blow themselves up. Yep. Why? Because the time's come. Yeah, but why? Like, why at that moment? Why? And how the hell are you now? What are you going to do? You just exploded Lucifer's head. How are you going to get their skull now? <laughs> oh, magic. And I don't know. I was just like, I want that whole scene to, like, it wasn't really explained. And I want that whole scene to be explained. Like, you're having a meeting and committing mass suicide. Yes. I need to know why. It's the end of the circle. But why? Why? <laughs> you're just like, it's, it's God's mythology. There is no why. I'm like, this is why, this is probably why I don't like mytho like actual <laughs> mythology that you get taught in school. Because I'm just like, it's just, it's you so ask why, and you're like, because. Yeah. That's not an answer, oh, professor. Yeah. <laughs> I need to know why. So yeah, I like this a whole lot. I'll definitely go on and read the second volume. Yes. Of, of course, I I mean, I got foiled. I was going to read it before this, but my library's copy got stolen. <laughs> so I had to like wait and then buy myself. <laughs> Which was a, probably a good decision because now I have the second volume immediately and I don't have to wait. Except I've been warned that after the second volume, I'm going to be really, really mad. Because <laughs> I'm yeah. going to immediately want the next <laughs> issue. <laughs> Yeah, but then the next issue doesn't all answer anything either. Oh, good. So that will make you even madder. Oh, great. Perfect. Awesome. Just so you Thank know. Thank you for this recommendation, Anna. Thank you very much for You're this comic recommendation. So I hope everybody else will get to read that as well. It's an ongoing series. You can find it anywhere. Uh, the first two volumes are actually out as trades at the moment. It's time for recommendations. Uh, Renee, you go first. What do you have for us this week? I have a Avengers fic, a Steve Tony story, who was surprised. Nobody, 0% of people are surprised. <laughs> it is titled Exact Measurements Required by Trillieth. It is not a story that's safe for work, but it's so fucking funny. So the, basically the entire premise of the episode is that Steve's uniform is too is not big enough for his dick. That's really the basic purpose of the entire story. <laughs> oh my god, why did not see that coming? <laughs> yeah, like his uniform is like not large enough to handle his dick. It's the greatest thing ever. So Tony basically he goes to Tony for help with making his like, Oh my god, we need stats. Is this the only podcast that recommends in which 
Captain America has a problem in which his dick doesn't fit inside his breeches. I mean, are we the only podcast that wrecks dick? No, I don't. But I don't know the details of what other people wreck, so I can't say for sure. But he can let. This is why I'm asking for stats, people. Tell me, give me the stats. <laughs> Am I the only one that's paired with this horrible host that keeps reading these weird stories? Anyway, no. <laughs> the story is just super funny. So Steve goes to Tony and does and basically he doesn't even tell him. Tony just is has Steve strip in his workshop and like looks at the 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 uniform and its measurements and is like looking back and forth between the measurements and steve's crotch and he's like holy shit oh my god and he thinks to himself "Ooh, i want to and i mean that's that i mean it's something. a story about yes that's where it ends up good job swollen the story and good work <laughs> anyway it's hilarious it's really funny it's charming and it's comedic it's got great timing the writing is really really good I really like the story a whole lot. I've been wrecking it to everybody. And I really think that you should read it because it's only 13,000 words. And it's like, I'm not doing it. (laughs) I have have a life for me. I don't know. I kind of like, I like Nick Dixon. I cannot lie. (laughs) You should read the story because (laughs) there are, there's that. And then there's blowjobs. Oh my God. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. (laughs) Do you like blowjobs, Anna? Because that's big hats. Oh my god! <laughs> this is not. This is not happening. <laughs> this podcast is definitely earned its explicit rating today. Oh yeah. Going downhill from your <laughs> And now moving on to Anna's racks, which are probably more sedate and more safe for work. Oh my god! He's just like I don't even want to talk about mine now. You have to. You have no choice. God damn it, Renee! You ruined everything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I ruined everything with my new favorite story about Steve's huge dick. Sorry. My bad. I have two recommendations. So just make up for it then. Okay. Okay. So one of them is really nice. The other one is really bloody. So <laughs> the trend today. The first one is A History of Glitter and Blood by Hannah Moskowitz. It's a YA novel. And I have I had heard about this author before multiple times. She's known for writing kind of like darkish YA and always featuring queer characters. This one, it has a fantastic premise. So basically there is a town and this town is the fairy town. And there are fairies, fairies and the fairies have glitter all over the body. The thing though is that the fairies share their town with the gnomes and the gnomes kind of like they live on the ground and they work for the fairies but it's not really like that they they don't work for the fairies because they want to it's more like they must but the twist is that the fairies bodies are really nutritious and the gnomes like to eat the fairies so in this town there are only four fairies that don't have any parts of their bodies missing. They are the only four whole fairies. And they are the four teenage characters. Uh, They are our protagonists. It's kind of like a found family story. They all live together because at some point there is this other people called the tightropers and they kind of like spit ropes from their mouths and they just like 
fly in the skies using those ropes. Uh, and they come to liberate the fairies, except that the fairies never even knew that they needed liberating. What but the hell anyone... is this? So, all the fairies leave because now there is a war. Apart from the four stupid teenage characters who decide to stay behind because they think that the war is not going to last long and some fairies should stay behind in their town. But they start to starve. So they become prostitutes. How much of this are you spoiling? Are you spoiling the whole book? Nothing. This is basic. This is the basic setup. That's how it starts. It starts with a ceasefire. And now the four fairies, who are now actually not entirely whole anymore, need to figure out what to do next. And it's really fucked up, as you can probably tell. And it's really dark, but it's actually really beautiful as well. Because on top of everything else, there is an unreliable narrator. Your favorite. Hello, Catnip. And the narrator is telling a history. A history of glitter and blood. And the narrator is trying to understand how to write history. And of course, the narrator is making up things that it goes along. And you don't know what you are reading if you those things that happening are happening actually have happened and it's just it's cool it's so cool it's so well written and all characters are bisexual or most of them they are all queer two of them are bisexual and two are gay it's just it's amazing and there are two beautiful love stories in the middle of all of that it's amazing. So it's A History of Glitter and Blood by Hannah Moskowitz. The other one is a movie that I watched a couple of weeks ago on Netflix. It's an indie movie. And it's about a girl who lives with her father and her brother. And she's, she's, she's happy, well-adjusted, and she loves fashion. And she, wants, and she has a YouTube channel, and she creates fashion, and she's really, really popular, and she has a best friend uh, whom she... Uh, it's, it's a guy best friend. And they have had this amazing relationship since forever, and he has been really supportive of her. And this new girl comes into town, and she starts to have feelings for this girl... And the main character is actually a trans girl. And it's played by a trans um, trans girl as well. The fact that she's a um, trans girl is, of, of course, a major part of the story, but it's not the main part of the story. It affects a lot of things that happen, but it's just there. And it's just such a beautiful, uplifting hopeful movie which i watched and that shows you know how our society some usually tells those stories i watched the movie with half my eyes closed waiting for the tragedy that happens and it never does what's this called it's just boy meets girl huh it's just adorable it's adorable it's beautiful she has the best relationship with her father who is super supportive everybody loves her and it's uh, it's I, I loved it, and then she has a relationship with the girl, but she's not she's not gay, she's not lesbian, she's kind of like perhaps bisexual, and it's just every every time you think something horrible is gonna happen, it doesn't. Actually, people talk things through, or it's just it's really really nice, and I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. Boy meets girl, and. 
I think that's it from us today. Yeah. Right? I think we've rounded it up pretty well. Yes. Fantastic. Fangirl Happy Hour is Renee Williams and me, Anna Grillo. Renee is also our producer. She's amazing, you guys. I can't even. You'll find links to some of our discussion topics in our show notes at fangirlhappyhour.com. You can email us at fangirlhappyhour at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, especially if you agree with us. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at fangirlhappyhour, one long word, no spaces. If you like our page or our posts, we sparkle like a twilight vampire. If you like the show, please could you drop by iTunes and leave a review. They help us so more people can find us. Once they find us, they can never leave. Wait, did I just say that out loud? You can chat with us on Twitter at Fangirl Podcasts. This week's question, who is your favorite lumberjane? Anna's is April. Renee's is Ripley. Yours? This week's 20th century book recommendation is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. Our music is by Box Cat Games. Our logo is by the very talented era. You can commission them at justera.tumblr.com. For both myself and Renee, thanks for listening. See you next episode.